This is Toby Sumter with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief. Today's Friday, August 19th, 2022. Our upcoming Fight Laugh Feast conference is less than two months away from happening in Knoxville, Tennessee. October 6th through the 8th. Lies, propaganda, storytelling, and the serrated edge. Don't miss Beer and Psalms, our amazing lineup of speakers, which includes George Gilder, Jared Longshore, Pastor Wilson, Dr. Ben Merkel. I'll be there. Chocolate Knox will be doing a roundtable discussion with Becca Merkel and Nancy Wilson on the power of stories in shaping culture. And we just announced a business makers pre-conference with Andrew Krapyshets from Red Balloon and David Reese, CEO of Armored Republic, growing businesses in a woke culture. Also, don't miss our awesome vendors, meeting new friends, and piles of fun stuff for the kids. Also, in case you missed it, you can save money on your registration for the conference by signing up for a Fight Laugh Feast club membership. You get $100 off. So go to fightlaughfeast.com, sign up for a club membership, and then register for the conference with that club discount. Can't wait to fellowship with you, sing psalms, and celebrate God's goodness in Knoxville, October 6th through the 8th. Yesterday, former Vice President Mike Pence was in New Hampshire. Why was he in New Hampshire giving a speech, making noises like maybe he wants to run for president in 2024? Well, anyways, he made some comments, apparently scolding conservatives for being so hard on the FBI in recent days. Listen. I also want to remind my fellow Republicans, we can hold the Attorney General accountable for the decision that he made without attacking rank and file law enforcement personnel at the FBI. These attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. So Laura Ingram asked Tucker Carlson about Mike Pence's comments, and as you might have expected, Tucker had a few words about it. It's it's deranged. You can't have a democracy if federal agencies are openly interfering in elections. Okay, it's that simple. It's not just the FBI. It's certainly the intel agencies whose former directors are on Twitter declaring war against the American population. This is out of control. It's scary. And I know everyone talks about defending democracy, defending democracy. But if you actually wanted to defend democracy, which is a system of self-government, you would push back against government agencies trying to affect election outcomes, which is what they're doing. This is nuts. And I guess Mike Pence in New Hampshire doesn't see it. Meanwhile, media organizers have requested to see the affidavit that prompted a judge to grant the search warrant for former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago house. And now they have their answer, at least part of an answer. U.S. Magistrate Judge Bruce Reinhart says he will unseal some of the procedural filings currently under seal on the search warrant docket. I'm not prepared to find that the affidavit should be fully sealed, the judge said, meaning that at a minimum, some of the affidavit will be revealed. According to the judge's comments, the things the filings are the Department of Justice's motion to seal the warrant documents, the order granting that sealing request, and the criminal cover sheet, CNN reported. Jay Bratt, that's a great name, a Justice Department lawyer, argued that allowing the public to read the affidavit would provide a roadmap to the investigation and would indicate the next steps in the probe. In this case, the court has found probable cause. There's a violation of one of the obstruction statutes, and that evidence of obstruction would be found at Mar-a-Lago, said Jay Bratt, who heads the Justice Department's counterintelligence section. In the the interest of transparency, I call for the immediate release of the completely unredacted affidavit pertaining to this horrible and shocking break-in. Yeah, that was the former President Trump. 
Also, the judge on this case should recuse. Judge Bruce Reinhart faced criticism and even threats after it was discovered that he had recused himself from a lawsuit involving Trump and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. He's also drawn scrutiny for switching from his job as a federal prosecutor to working as a defense attorney on behalf of individuals connected to convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Last last week, one of the personal attorneys for former President Donald Trump demanded to know why the judge who signed the warrant to search his private house had recused himself from the lawsuit against the 2016 Democrat presidential nominee, Hillary Clinton. But if you were to ask infamous atheist Sam Harris, none of that would matter at all, since apparently there's a higher principle at stake. In a recent interview, Harris said there could have been the corpses of children in Hunter Biden's basement, and Sam Harris wouldn't have cared. Even if all the rumors of the Biden family corruption were true, he said it's infinitesimal compared to the corruption of Trump and Trump University. Harris stunned his interviewers by insisting that it absolutely was a left-wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Trump, but it was warranted. I mean, Hunter Biden, at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had, had the corpses of children in his basement. I would not have cared, right? It's like, it's, there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden, right? It's not, it's like, it's not Joe Biden, but... Even if Joe, like, even the, whatever scope of Joe Biden's corruption is, like, if, you, if we could just go down that rabbit hole endlessly and, and understand that he's getting kickbacks from Hunter Biden's deals in Ukraine or wherever else, right, or China, it is infinitesimal compared to the corruption we know Trump is involved in. It's like, it's like, it's like a firefly to the sun, right? I mean, like, there's just... It doesn't, even, it doesn't even stack up against Trump University, right? Trump University as a story is worse than anything that could be in, in Hunter Biden's laptop, in my view, right? Now, that's not, that doesn't answer the people who say it's still completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the, you know, the New York Post's Twitter account. Like that, that's a, just a conspiracy, that's a left-wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely it was. Absolutely. Right. But I think it was warranted. Catch that? It was it was it was warranted. Yes. Harrison says that it doesn't matter which part was conspiracy, which part was out in the open. If there was an asteroid heading for Earth, you have to do whatever you have to do to stop it. It it was a conspiracy out in the open. It does but it doesn't matter if it was a, it doesn't matter what part's conspiracy, what part's out in the open. I mean I think it's like if people get together and talk and talk about what should we do with, about this phenomenon, you know, if, if it's like if there, if there was an asteroid hurtling toward Earth and and we got in a room together with all of our friends and had a conversation about what we could do to deflect its course. Right. Is that a conspiracy? OK, but Sam, there is a huge difference between people electing the president and a meteor heading for Earth. In fact, later on in the interview, even acknowledged as much but but it was still really bad and therefore justified all kinds of shenanigans but notice what sam harris has done he's insisting that there's some higher moral principle guiding his corruption where did he get that higher moral principle we don't know god does not exist he is allowed to cheer on whatever corruption it takes to keep trump out of office he is functionally above the law and is and, and his interviewers actually point this out. They're, they're saying, wait, are you above the law? And somehow he's able to sidestep that. But Harris knows what's best for this country. This is a great example of what Pastor Doug Wilson has said before, which is that whenever people deny the existence of God, they're always interested in the job opening. 
Sam Harris is famous for his atheism, but he is not actually interested in a godless society. Here he is insisting that sometimes you have to step in and pull all the levers of power, like, I don't know, your god or something, so you can prevent Trump from taking office or a meteor hitting the earth. Here's a longer clip, but you really do need to listen to it. Sam Harris says that Trump was so unfit for office, like missing all the screws, it was necessary for those with levers of power to do what they could to prevent Hunter Biden's laptop from being brought out at the 11th hour and jeopardizing Biden's campaign against Trump like they did with Hillary in 2016. And he's unfit for in every possible way. It's like it's not it's not that he's just got a few screws loose, like every screw is loose. Every screw that you would want totally cranked down is loose or non-existent in him. Um, and so, yeah, so it's, but that, that's my argument. So, like, so, so my argument is that it was appropriate for Twitter and the heads of big tech and journal and the heads of journalistic organizations to feel that they were in the presence of something like a, a once in a lifetime moral emergency, right? Whereas this is not the same thing as not liking George Bush, you know, or not liking John McCain or not liking Mitt Romney for their politics. This was, here's a guy who is capable of anything, right? He's not, he's not ideological, but he's, again, he's, he's a black hole of selfishness, right? He's, he's, he's just, so there's no telling what he's going to do, um, and we cannot afford to have four more years with this guy, right? And and, and so, um, so what what should well-intentioned people do who have a lot of power in these various ways? You know, you're running the New York Times, you're running CNN, you're running Twitter. What should they conspire to do? Admit that it's their those fault. Conditions? What was <laughs> Admit that? that Trump is their fault. And look, that, I'm well, someone the, from oh, the left. Absolutely. So. That that's well, no, that that's the perverse thing. It, it's totally their fault. He, I mean, CNN, CNN gave us Trump. Right? Yeah. Well, no, before CNN gave us Trump, Mark Burnett gave us Trump. I mean, if there's one person who could have not done what he did and, and could have closed the door to this whole phenomenon, it was Mark Burnett. Um, but, yeah, no, by giving him the attention, you know, but he was, he was great ratings, you know, for, a year, for the whole run-up to, to the 2016 election. Oh yeah, no. There, no one has clean hands here. But it, it, at the eleventh hour, when it's when, who knows how this election is going to go? Who know? Who knows what the capacity for, you know, disinformation at the last minute to to tip the balance is? Then what do you do with the Hunter Biden laptop story? When we already know, we we know how this played out in twenty sixteen with the Hillary Clinton email you know, press conference where, where Comey in, 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 a, in an abundance of scrupulosity felt like he had to come before the cameras, I think 10 days out from the election and say, you know, we've, we're going to open up this, this investigation again because we've got Anthony Weiner's laptop. Uh, we could see, I mean, again, her failure to become president was overdetermined. She was a, an appallingly bad candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of just tracking the poll numbers, you could like that was that was the killing blow to her candidacy, right? That that final moment, and this was a this was a highly analogous situation. This was we're going to open up this laptop from hell, and the n- news cycle for who knows how long is going to be just 
just conceivably just a nuclear bomb of a, an October, October surprise. And we're going to get four more years of Trump if we actually give this a fair hearing. Next up, COVID-19 lockdowns, get this, could be responsible for claiming 20 times more lives than they were advertised to save, according to a new analysis published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. This is from World News Daily, the paper which bases its conclusions on a comprehensive review of other relevant lockdown-focused literature was authored by researchers at the Jerusalem College of Technology. Quote, in this work, we performed a narrative review of the works studying the above effectiveness, as well as the historic experience of previous pandemics and risk-benefit analysis based on the connection of health and wealth. This summarized in the article titled, Are Lockdowns Effective?, in managing pandemics. The comparative analysis of different countries showed that the assumption of lockdowns effectiveness cannot be supported by evidence. Okay, <laughs> I'm just going to say that again because we need to say that aloud. A-, a lot and aloud. The assumption of lockdowns effectiveness cannot be supported by evidence. This is from this study, neither regarding the present COVID-19 pandemic nor regarding the 1918-1920 Spanish flu and other less severe pandemics in the past, argued the researchers. There's no evidence to to support that lockdowns were actually effective. The team proceeds to quantify the estimated number of lives lost due to the COVID-19 mitigation measure, which drew strong support from Democrats and public health officials, including Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks, and Mike Pence. Hey, Mike, you get to be in this news brief twice. Quote, the price tag of lockdowns in terms of public health is high. This is their takeaway. This is their money quote. By using the known connection between health and wealth, we estimate that lockdowns may claim 20 times more life years than they save. Yeah, that's, that's, that's their, their conclusion. We estimate the lockdowns may claim 20 times more life years than they save. The paper also exposes how governments and international health organizations embrace of lockdowns was at odds with their stance on the public health policies prior to COVID-19. It should be mentioned that the same conclusions, no clear benefit of lockdowns in case of pandemic, were made by national and international bodies before COVID-19 emerged. Okay, So there were already studies on the books arguing that lockdowns wouldn't work. Continuing, namely, several governments prepared detailed plans of response to influenza-like pandemics years ago. See the programs of the U.S. Occupational Safety and Health Administration in 2007 and the Israeli Ministry of Health, also 2007. The paper doesn't argue that lockdowns were merely ineffective, however, adding that they actually claimed the lives of the people public health officials claimed to be protecting. Quote, the lockdown policies had a direct side effect of increasing mortality. The lockdowns didn't merely do nothing. They actually increased mortality. Hospitals in Europe and USA were prepared to manage pretty small groups of highly contagious patients while unprepared for a much more probable challenge, large-scale contagion. As a result, public health care facilities and nursing homes often became vehicles of contamination themselves to a large extent because of the lockdown-based emergency policy implementation, explained the paper, citing New York City as an example. While our understanding of viral transmission mechanisms leads to the assumption that lockdowns may be an effective pandemic management tool, this assumption cannot be supported 
supported by the evidence-based analysis of the present COVID-19 pandemic, as well as of the 1918-1920 H1N1 influenza type A pandemic, the Spanish flu, and numerous less severe pandemics in the past, concludes the paper. The findings follow the publication of other studies finding sizable drawbacks to lockdowns and other popular COVID-19 mitigation measures such as mask mandates also not working. Today's culture shifts like sand, but New St. Andrews College is established on Christ the Immovable Rock. It is a premier institution that forges evangelical leaders who don't fear or hate the world. Guided by God's word, they take the world back because they're equipped with the genius of classical liberal arts and God-honoring wisdom, thanks to a faculty dedicated to academic rigor and to God's kingdom. Find out more at nsa.edu. That's nsa.edu. The psalm of the day is Psalm 47. In fact, this is one of the psalms we'll be singing at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. Will you be there singing with me and Gabe and Knox? All peoples, clap your hands for joy to God and triumph shout. For awesome is the Lord most high, great king, the earth throughout. He brings the peoples under us in mastery complete. And he it is who nations all subdues beneath our feet. We sing it a little faster than this, but this is still a good version. Amen. This is Toby Sumter with the Cross Politic Daily News Brief. Remember, if you want to support this sort of thing and see more of it, there are two things you can do to help. First, share this news brief with your friends. Send a link in a text or message or share it on social media and tag your friends that you think would be interested. Word of mouth is easily our strongest growth. And secondly, consider becoming a Fight, Laugh, Feast club member today. Your monthly support makes a huge difference, and we are regularly creating backstage content just for you as our thanks for your support. So go to flfnetwork.com and join today. And if you're already a club member, our sincere gratitude and thanks. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend.